Father, it gives us joy, and then we know that it gives you more joy to see how your children are growing. This is what you want us to do, to study your word, to know your word. Thank you for this year's family month as we continue with your program. Lord, we know that you are here because you are the one that instituted their families. And we commit every family here into your hands. I pray that as you speak through me, Father, every word that we hear will grow and bear fruit in every family. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to continue with a topic. This is part two of Make Your Home God's Dwelling Place. And then we say that our theme for the family moment is love without stopping. From 1 Corinthians 16, 14, message version. Last week, uh, we talked ab- about a home where God dwells is a home where Christ is at the center. In other words, Christ is honored above all things. And everyone in that family lives under the dictate of the word of God. Praise the Lord. You know, last Friday, I was at work and I called my wife to see how she's doing. So she told me that um, uh, granddaughter Samachi fell from the dining table and hit her face on the floor and there was gush of blood both from her mouth and from her teeth. I mean from her nose and from her t- mouth. And she was panicking. It's, uh, her mother was panicking. They didn't know what to do. So uh, little Amanda went into the room, closed the door and knelt down and prayed. And then she came out and said, Samachi, I prayed, and God has healed you. So when they came back, she stood by the door. That's uh, some, um, Amanda stood by the door. And as soon as uh, her mom opened the door, she hugged her sister. You see, I told you, God has healed you. And, you know, the little girl was just, when I came to see her, she was jumping all over the place. There was no trace of, um, you know, swallowing all. So we thank God for that. That in our homes, the Bible said that train up a child the way he should go. And when he or she grows, will never depart. We saw that today as we continue to train our children to love the Lord. Praise the Lord. Today I'm going to talk about uh, submission and love. Submission and love. 
and there have been lots of misconception about submission. And the reason is this, because the world is using it to manipulate women, their wives, intimidating them. That's part of the Bible. Almost all non-Christian can quote that the Bible said that you submit to your husband. Why don't you submit? And it's causing a lot of problems, you know, in homes. Most women don't like to hear that word submission. It's because they're associated to intimidation or inferiority. But the truth is that we make our homes God's dwelling place when husbands and wives submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. In other words, when we submit, we are submitting to Christ, not even to your husband. Listen to this. It says, back in May of 1974, a group of women got together and drafted a 32-point document that they entitled The Code of Love. Their goal was to create for themselves, for themselves and for future generations of women a new set of ethics, the guidelines for liberated conduct in a modern times. What was contained in this document known as the Code of, of Love, here is an ex- example. You cannot have true love within the bonds of marriage because marriage is too restricting. Marriage destroys the freedom and spontaneity of love. Being married should not prevent a woman or a man from seeking love elsewhere. The only requirement of this extramarital affairs is that the participants be honest with each other and that they be mature adults. It says love is always a flux, increasing or diminishing. Once it begins to diminish, there is no reason why it should not be dropped and a new love pursued. So this is the idea, this is the mentality of people of the world concerning marriage. They have come up with different definitions about marriage, which is contrary to what is in the Bible. Even the traditional you know, idea of marriage cannot be related or compared to what we have now. The Lord warned us seriously about this world. In 1 John 2, 15 to 17, it says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. Do not love it, nor the things it offers you, like I read. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. 16, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, 
That's what, it, that, what I read was, you know, was saying. Craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see. And pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Amen. And James 4.4 again says, You people are not faithful to God. You should know that loving what the world has is the same as hating God. So anyone who wants to be friends with this evil world automatically becomes uh, God's enemy. So submission. I'm going to look at uh, Paul's, what Paul says about uh, submission and what Peter says about submission. As a matter of fact, both of them are addressing uh, believers. Peter, however, was addressing families where one person is a believer and the other you know, it's not. Just like me, far back in those days, my wife gave her life before me. It took me years before I gave my life. And if her attitude to me when she was a believer was bad, I don't think I would have given my life. And that's what Peter is saying here. First Peter 3, 1 to 7, TPT says, And now, let me speak to the wives. Be devoted to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word of God, your kind conduct may win them over without you saying a thing. So our attitude to our spouses or even to our friends, even at the place of work, our attitude can win people to Christ. Our attitude is a form of uh, evangelism. When people see how you behave, they, they, they admire it. But when they see your character, that you're not behaving well, they will say, well, if this is how Christianity is, I don't want it. That won't be our portion in Jesus' name. For when they observe you pure, when they, when they observe your pure, godly life before God, it will impact them deeply. Let your true beauty come from your inner personality, not, on, not a focus on the external. For lasting beauty comes from a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is precious in God's sight and is much more important than the outward adornment of uh, elaborate hair, hair, jewelry, and fine clothes. Holy women of long ago who have set their hopes in God beautified themselves with lives lived indifferent to their own husband's authority. 
For example, our mother Sarah devoted herself to her husband, Abraham, and even called him master. And you have become her daughters when you do what is right without fear and admonition or intimidation. Praise the Lord. Husbands, in turn, must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be honored, for they are co-heirs with you of the divine grace of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Praise the Lord. In Ephesians, Paul says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands. That's why we read today as to the Lord. For husbands is the head of his wife. In other words, Paul is saying that wives should submit to their husband because they are head. And that submission brings you glory, brings you joy. I'm going to go back and, you know, when we read them, you see that submission, submission is not for unbelievers. No unbeliever can submit because it takes the power of the Holy Spirit for a woman to submit to their husband. And it takes the power of the Holy Spirit for a husband to love their wives. Praise the Lord. Let me just skip uh, because we read this. Paul is not talking about building a happy marriage for, the, for ourselves. It is about honoring God in our marriage. You know, was when we submit, we are honoring God. Because he says submission is unto, unto God, unto God, not unto your spouse. When both husbands, husband and wife seek to honor God in their marriage by fulfilling their God-given roles, they will, they will be blessed with a happy marriage. With God-assigned roles. God has assigned men or husbands their own role, and their own role is to love their wives. And he has assigned the women, the wives, their own role, and their own role is to submit. And this is what Ephesians 5.21 is talking about when we talk about mutual submission. It's, it's us doing our own role, participating in our own role to bring honor to Christ. Because when you do your own, when I love my wife as Christ loves the church, and then my wife submits to me, as unto the Lord, then there's joy in that marriage. There's joy in that marriage. So submission is not uh, as I perform, as I treat her. Even if I don't treat her right, she still has to submit because she's not submitting to me. She is doing it for what? For the glory of God. I sent him with me. I'm not going to love her because she's submitting to me. I'm going to love her because this is what God asked me to do. So I'm playing my own role. She is playing her own role. All to the glory of God. Praise the Lord. 
Yeah, like I said, Ephesians 5.21 says, be willing to serve each other out of respect for Christ. Be willing to serve each other out of respect for I would not be wrong to say that the goal of marriage or one of the goals for marriage is to honor God, is to honor him. God wants us to honor him, honor him with, you know, with our marriage. So are you honoring God in your marriage? That is a big question for us to answer. If not, if you think you're not doing that, you better start doing it. Paul made it clear in Ephesians 5.25 that husbands should love their wives as Christ loves the church. In other words, love is the priority for every husband and not authority. Much as God has made you the head. God has made man the head of the family. So authority is not our number one priority. Our number one priority is to love our wives. And, it, and you, see, you see that when you begin to love, then there will be a easy submission to that you know, authority. So authority is not the priority, but love is the priority. So husbands are therefore responsible to set an atmosphere of love in your home, in every home. We are supposed to, we are a carrier of love. And you can't say that I can't love because God has equipped us. God cannot ask us to do what we cannot do. He has equipped us to love. We talk about the um, um, fruit of the spirit, which begins with love. So he has equipped us and he said that we should love. And it's, it's a command. It's not an option. It's a command that husband must love their wives. Love is possible because it is a command. It is commanded, like, like I said, by God. And God cannot command us to do something we cannot do without giving us uh, the power to accomplish it. Paul said in Philippians 4.13 that he can do all things through Christ that gives him strength. Let us first of all look at Ephesians 5.18. Like I said, Ephesians 5.18 says this is an important scripture because without the power of the Holy Spirit, submission would become impossible. Ephesians 5.18 to 20 says do not get drunk with wine, for that is wickedness, corruption, stupidity. But be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly, and be constantly guided by him. You'll be filled and then be constantly guided by, by him. So the Holy Spirit is going to guide you to do that which God wants you to do. And when he guides you, it becomes so easy, it becomes natural, it flows Loving your wife becomes an easy thing to do. Because it's, not, it's no more you doing it. It's the Holy Spirit in you. It's empowering you, you know, to do it. Verse 19, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, offering praise by singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Now, this passage is came before 
submission. So this is the 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 the, 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 the how you are going to you know be reacting when you are doing what the role that you are, you are participating. You'll be full of full of joy, singing psalms as you are submitting, praising God as you are submitting, because you know that you are pleasing God. That's what God wants you to do. Always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in verse, seven, in verse 18, Paul is exhorting us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 21, he now makes it clearer that being filled in the Holy Spirit will make it easier to live in submission to one another. Praise the Lord. So Galatians 5, 16, 25 also explains to us why it's impossible for unbelievers to submit. Says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Because sinful nature is there. So they are fighting against each other. Another translation says, live by the Spirit. When you live by the Spirit, then you will not do what the flesh wants you to do. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. So the sinful nature will want you not to submit. The sinful nature will want you to be fighting with your, with your spouse. The sinful nature will not want you to have peace in your home. And this is not what the spirit nature wants you to do. So the sinful nature wants to, to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intention. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. As long as you are being directed by the Spirit, follow what the Spirit asks you to do. Be under the dictates of the Spirit. Then you are no longer under the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, white parties, and other sins like this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you see, that's the code of, the, of, law, of love. That code of love I read, this is, this is what is propelling them. This is you know, what they are talking about. Satisfying the, you know, the self, pleasure. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them. So Paul is saying that since we belong to 
Christ who have nailed it. So there's no point we going back to what the world, you know, is doing. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Praise the Lord. The first Corinthians uh, 2, 14 and 15 says, People who do not have God's Spirit do not accept the things that come from the Spirit. They can never accept the things. So what I'm trying to establish is why submission and loving is so difficult. Because when you do it the worst way, you can never achieve anything. It becomes, it becomes a, a kind of, you're trying to force yourself to do what your body doesn't want you to do. But when you follow the Spirit, the Spirit will guide you through. And it becomes so easy. And you begin to enjoy your home. You begin to enjoy your family. You begin to enjoy your wife. Praise the Lord. They think these things are foolish. They cannot understand them because they can only be understood with the Spirit's help. We who have the Spirit are able to make judgments about all these things, but anyone without the Spirit is not able to make proper judgment about us. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, Christ says, if you love me, you will do what I command. So he wants us to do his command. And I like the way TPT TPT says, loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Loving me empowers you to obey my command. So if you want to obey God's word, you have to love God. You have to love God. You cannot obey. If you don't love him, it becomes so difficult for you. So loving him empowers you to obey his word. What the Lord is saying is that our love for him is, the best, best, is best expressed in our obedience to his commandments. Our love for him is best expressed in our obedience to his commandments. If, uh, Luke 6, 46 says, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't uh, do what I say? Why call me Lord if you don't do what I say? And Ephesians 5, 21 says, Be willing to serve each other out of respect for God, for Christ. Like I said, be willing. There has to be a willingness to serve each other. There has to be a willingness to love each other. There has to be a willingness to submit to each other because of what? It says respect for Christ, out of respect for Christ. First Peter 3, 1 to 2 says, In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then, even if some refuse to obey the good news, which I read before, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over. By observing your pure and reverent 
lives. Now, listen to this uh, testimony. Was given by one missionary, George Muller. So George Muller told a told a story about uh, or a testimony about a wealthy German whose wife was a devout believer. His wife. This man was a heavy drinker. So his wife was a believer, and the man was not. So this man was a heavy drinker, spending late nights in the tavern. She would send the servants to bed. That's his wife who sent the servants to bed. And then she would stay up till he returned. She would stay and be waiting for her husband to come back. When she comes back, she receives him kindly and never scold him or complain. At times, she would even have to undress him and put him in bed because, you know, he's drunk. I always come back home drunk. One night in the tavern, he said to his cronies, that's his friends, people that, you know, he was drinking with, or usually drink with, he says, I bet if we go to my house, my wife will be sitting up waiting for me. She will come to open the door, give us a royal welcome, and even make a supper for us if I ask her to. They were skeptical. They didn't believe him at, at first but decided to go along, with, along and see. Sure enough, she came to the door, received them courteously, and willingly agreed to make supper for them without the slightest trace of resentment. After serving them, she went off to her room. As soon as she had left, one of the men began to condemn the husband. What kind of a man are you to treat such a good woman so miserably? The accuser got up without finishing his supper and left the house. Another did the same. And another till they had all departed without eating. The male, see, they saw the love of this woman, how she was submitting to her husband that always beat her and gets drunk every time. They couldn't believe what they were seeing because what they, what they saw is not what is happening in their home. So within, within half an hour, the husband came deeply convicted of his wickedness and especially of his heartless treatment of his wife, he went to his wife's room, asked her to pray for him, repented of his sins, and surrendered to Christ. From that time on, he became a devoted disciple of the Lord. 
one without a word. Praise the Lord. So you can see the power, the power of winning souls for Christ without saying a word. The power of our behavior, how our behavior can easily, without you laboring for it, how it can easily win souls without you saying a word. So in godly marriage, the wife is focused on the internal, like Peter said, and not the external. It's not what you put on. It's not what you wear that makes you a good woman. But it's what is inside you. It's what is inside you. That first Peter 3, 5, 3, 3 to 5 says, Don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfolding beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husband. Peter is not saying that women should not look good or wear fine clothes, but he is teaching that beauty is not the primary way to honor your husband. It's not the primary way to honor your husband. As a matter of fact, God told Samuel, we know the story, that he doesn't look at the outside, but he looks at the inside. So what is inside is what matters to God. First Samuel 16, 7, Amplified said, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at, the, at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I have rejected uh, him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So what is inside us is what matters. As out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Speaks everything that is in you, that is hidden inside you. When you begin to voice it out, it destroys or it builds. So you can use a mouth to build people based on what is inside you that is coming out, or you can use it to destroy. In a godly marriage, the husband knows his wife. You should know your wife. Know what she likes. In the same way, you husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. I like Sister Dora, that's a very, you know, favorite passage of the Bible. With great gentleness and, and tact, and with an intelligent regard for the marriage relationship, as with someone physically weaker, since she is a woman, show her honor and respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Or ineffective. You know, when, if, if an unbeliever hears you say this, he will look at you someone, I mean, somehow, because he, he will not understand where you are coming from. And this is why I say that it's the Holy Spirit 
that is going to guide you to have a great understanding and know what you're supposed to do to build your home, a home that God will come and relax. Malachi 2, 13 to 15 says, here is another thing, God say, telling, telling them, here's another thing you do. You cover the lost altar with tears, weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I will tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her. Though she remains your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and in spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guide your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. So God is not happy when you begin to treat your wife badly. He's, you know, he, he said he blocked his ear. He didn't, he didn't want to do anything with these people because, uh, because of the way they were treat, treating their wives. So this will tell you that God is out for us to build a family of God. To build a family, just like he said, you know, he talked about Abraham in Genesis 18, 19. Say, I know him, I know Abraham, that he is going to train his children to follow my ways. And when he does that, that's the reason why all the promises I made, I'm going to fulfill it. Why? Because of the way he's going to treat his children, because of the way he's going to raise his family to be a family of God. This is what God wants us to do, each and every one of us, to raise family of God. In a godly marriage, a husband needs to dwell with his wife, to dwell. In the same way, you husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. You dwell with your wives. We know in this country it's so difficult sometimes, uh, you know, because of work. The man stays away too long. But it's not helping the family. It's not helping the children. If there's going to be a possible way, you see, your family comes first. I know the Bible said that uh, if you cannot feed your, your, your family or your children, that you are worse than an unbeliever. But you have to put them into consideration. How much time am I giving to my children? How much time am I giving to my wife? How much time? What am I contributing into this family that God has given me and has made me the head? What is my contribution? You know, to make it great. What is my contribution to make it a family of God? If you are not there, 
The presence of the head matters a lot. If you are not there, the children will feel it. They will obviously feel your absence. And something is lacking somewhere. Because the daddy of the house is nowhere to be found. You come back in the night. By the time you come back in the night, the children are sleeping. In the morning, you leave. So what time do you have to spend with them? Even at the weekend, you find something else. You stay, sit there, watch TV, and then you don't play with them. You don't play with them. That's not how God wants us to raise our family. So it means spending time with your wife and your family. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. That is one of the ways you provoke them. Not being there for them. That is one of the ways, but you don't know. That, that's one of the ways. You know, you, you, when you look at this country, that's why you know, most families, especially in the black neighborhood, where most of their, 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 their father are not around. It's all the mothers and the people training them. And you see these, these children, as soon as they come back from school, and the reason they're going to school is because they, 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 they get free meal. They, they, they just go to school to eat. And then when they come back, drop their bag down the, you know, on the road, dealing with drugs and all those things. It's because the father is not there. And even some of them, the, the father is there, you see him, they all, you know, I remember I, uh, uh, my first, uh, my first um, experience uh, in this country, when we were in Sierra, there's a place they call, they call them, you know, countryside, where we go to kill goats. So we went there one time, and then this man, the white guy, was just lying, lying uh, on the couch with his wife, and I have never seen a big wrap of a weed. This man just, I'm not kidding you, just a big wrap. And both of them were just uh, smoking it, lying down smoking it. And I say, if this kind of people have uh, children, you know, what kind of uh, upbringing, you know, would they experience? Because they watch you. Whatever you do, your children are watching you. And they would think that that's, that's the way life is. To them, you are not doing anything wrong. To them, you are living a happy life. And that's what they're going to emulate. That's what they're going to follow. In order, in order to train them, that's our children, in the instruction of the Lord, the father has to be around. One of the main ways a child is provoked to, to rot is because fathers are not home. Many children grow up not knowing their father because he was never around. Some of the ways we can provoke our children to anger are by constantly criticizing them and not encouraging them. You're always there to, when you continue to criticize your child, your presence there will kind of, uh, you know, upset him. He will not like to see, see you because each time you're there, you're criticizing him. You can't praise him for things that he has done that is good. You're always looking for 
where to criticize. Number two is by having double standards. Do as I say, not as I do. I remember this preacher back home, you know, in the local church. He always said, that's do as I say. Don't do as I do. Don't follow my footsteps. How can you preach that? How can you tell people to do what I preach? What, what, I'm, you know, what I'm preaching, but don't do as I do. It doesn't follow like that. So expecting them to do things we don't do. For example, forgiveness. If you don't practice forgiveness in your home, your children won't know how to forgive. We, we are not perfect. Parents are not perfect. So sometimes you step on their toes, you ask for forgiveness. And then they will now learn that when they do something wrong, they have to ask for forgiveness. By lack of affection, when we don't show affection, you don't show the love. And if they don't see that love between their, their mother and their father, they wouldn't know what love is all about. But when they see both of you living a good life, that's the type of life they want to live when they move out of your house to their own home. So it's very important. Affection is very important. Kiss your wife. There's nothing wrong with kissing your wife in the presence of your children. Hug your wife. Hug her and tell her how much you appreciate her. Tell her how much you love her. And women love it too. I love you, I love you. They will respond. By telling them what to do, that's you're telling your children what to do or not, or, or not to do without giving biblical reasons because I say so. Because I say so. But when you bring them down to tell them, this is what God wants us to do. This is what the word of God says. Make them to understand that without God, they are nothing. Make them to understand, to depend fully on God. That every question, everything they need, you know, is in the world. I remember the story of a rich martyr. I don't know if I've told a, 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 a billionaire man that ha, had only one son. But the man is a Christian, but the son always goes the other way. Doesn't like to go to church. And it became so painful you know, to the man. Every time he brings the Bible to read, this guy, will not, his son will not pay attention. The cook is there. Everything she, you know, he wanted was there. So the man and his wife will be going for, will be traveling out. So what he did was, uh, you know, he brought his big Bible, put it on the center of the, or the, or the, or the, or the uh, table parlor, and then put a check of $5 million, you know, for the boy. 
So when the guy ran out of food, he said, come his father. His father said, did you read the Bible today? He said, no, go read the Bible. And then when it came to a point where he got so hungry that there's no way he can help himself, he now went to the Bible and began to read the Bible and came to a page where the check was written, you know, in his name, a check of $5 million. And that changed him. Because sometimes the word of God has a way of convicting, when God, you know, convicting us. So that changed that guy, and he became a born-again Christian. So one of the ways... By being offended at their sin. Okay, I'll say this. By hypocrisy, acting like a Christian at the church, but not at home. You come to church, you smile, <laughs> brother, sister, ah, you'll be so obedient to pastor everywhere. You go to the house, you become a monster. You become a monster. So that's, that's not the way to raise children. Practice what you are. By always lecturing them and never listening to them. Last month we talked about listening. When you begin to lecture, you are dictating for them what to do. It's only what you want them to do that you, know, you give them. You won't listen to what they're saying. What they're saying is not, it's not important to you. See, the way what you say is important to you is the way what they want to say is important to them. So we should all listen to our children when they're saying something. By pride. Failing to receive humble correction from our spouses or our children when we sin. Praise the Lord. So how should we love our wives? Men, because the Bible said, love them. So one of the ways we love them is you love them as Christ loves the church. Selflessly, selflessly, not when they perform, not when they do something that you like. Your love is not attached to anything. Your love for her is for Christ. So husband should love not because of who your wife is, but because of who Christ is. Praise the Lord. I'm just running out of time. So everything about submission is to honor God because this is what he commanded us to do. Everything about uh, uh, is to honor God. Just bear with me. I want to just... Somewhere important I want to bring up before, before I end it up. 
So lover effect, effectively. Christ loves the church in such a way that she is presented in a splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. So when you love your, your wife, you really have to love her in a way that when you see her, you appreciate her more. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to round up with this. Sorry, I didn't have time to. I'm going to round up with this. With um, 1 Peter 3, 8 to 11. 1 Peter, can you put, can you put it there on the board, please, on the screen? 1 Peter 3, 8. So I want us to say this. If you don't get anything, 8 to 11, ERV version. Can we all say this all together? So all of you should live together in peace. Try to understand each other. Love each other like brothers and sisters. Be kind and humble. Don't do wrong to anyone to pay them back for doing wrong to you. Or don't insult anyone to pay them back for insult. But ask God to bless them. Do this because you yourselves were chosen to receive a blessing. The scriptures say, if you want to enjoy true life and have good days, then avoid saying anything hurtful and never let a lie come out of you. Stop doing what is wrong and do good. Look for peace and do all you can to help people live peacefully. Praise the Lord. So as we end with this, this is family month. We begin to meditate. This um, First Peter 3, 8. And begin to pray that God will take care of your family and begin to claim all those things so that you begin to enjoy the peace of Christ that is that passes human understanding. Praise the Lord. Our precious Father, we thank you. We give you praise, Lord. Awesome God. Thank you for your word. Thank you because you are giving us a clue for us to submit and for us to love our wives and for the wives to submit to their husbands. Father, we know sometimes it becomes so difficult. But we thank you, Father, because you have really created a way for us to do it. Help us to keep this in remembrance that submission and loving will not be a problem to us. In Jesus' name.